Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hey, babe, what you got there? This is a check from Carvana. I just sold my car to them. I went online and Carvana gave me an offer right away. Then they just picked up the car and gave me this. Well, that's a big check. Well, obviously you could put this towards your next car, or we could finally get that jacuzzi, or I could start taking tuba lessons, or I could quit my job and write my memoir. Or I can put it towards my next car with Carvana. Sorry, your check, not mine. Sell your car to Carvana. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to get a real offer in seconds. This is John Rocha, one-third of the Geek Buddies, with this awesome ad for you. If you like this show and you want to make your own, and some of you have reached out and asked us about making your own podcast, well, let me tell you about Anchor. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer, and now you can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. The possibilities are endless for what you can create, whether it's music analysis, your own radio show, or something the world's never heard before. Go ahead and let your freak flag fly. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so many more places. And you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Take it from us here at the Geek Buddies. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Now, on with the Geek Buddies show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another brand new spoiler review episode for Hawkeye here from the Geek Buddies. And as always, we are brought to you or powered by or sponsored by Carbon Health, our sponsor here for the month of December and maybe some months coming up as well. We shall see, but certainly they've been fantastic with us. They're a leading national health care provider. they got clinics all over the place. Go to CarbonHealth.com and find out. Both of these gentlemen may need to visit CarbonHealth.com after seeing uh, Spider-Man No Way Home last night. They have injured themselves crying so much through the end of that movie. No spoilers for that movie on this uh, uh, review, but, uh, you know, Gentlemen, uh, are you going to put a call in? Maybe get the, maybe get a get looked at over over at Carbon I mean, Health. I may I may need to, but more importantly and more apropos of this week's spoiler review, I would just like to say that nobody knows the long term effects of being blipped, and if you are having issues <laughs> post your blip, yeah, and you're worried about what that might mean for your long term health, you should call Carbon Health. They are here to help you in any kind of pandemic, even a cosmic one. Woo! Nice, well done. And Shannon, you can't rely on Eleanor Bishop to clean up your wounds correctly. She's not a registered nurse, so you want to go to uh, Carbon Health. Am I correct on that? You know, we all do not have a potentially morally duplicitous mom to (laughs) to, uh, cover up our scratches. So, yes. (laughs) 
<laughs> or or a very reliable LARPer who's also a firefighter like Grills. So yes, yeah. that's why you should call Carbon Health. I'm really invested in these Carbon Health promos. A, because yeah. I do think Carbon Health is a great thing, but also like I very much every week want us to come up with the geekiest version Agreed. of a health emergency uh, that we can. Yeah, yeah. Don't just tie frozen peas to your wounds. Go see someone, for God's sake. <laughs> Looking at you, Clint Barton. All right, we're getting into episode five here. Can you believe this? We're one episode away from the series being over, and it's been a joy over the last few weeks in getting into these episodes, reviewing them with these two geek buddies here. We should introduce ourselves first. I am the outlaw, John Roker, writer, producer, and host here on the Outlaw Nation and the Geek Buddies. I am Michael Vogel, writer and producer of animated TV shows and movies, and a loyal supporter of John Roca's YouTube channel, where I do the Geek Buddies. Nice. And this is Shannon McClung. I'm an animation writer and a television actor where you may have seen me on Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Brooklyn Nine-Nine, and the Goldbergs. And I am also not just uh, uh, not just a uh, audience member of the Outlaw Nation. I'm also a uh, uh, participant. Oh, yes, absolutely. Well, very kind of both of you to say those words very much so. Uh, and we're getting into episode five here. It's called Ronin. And you'll see why as we go along here. We're going to break it down uh, section by section. This is how we do our reviews. In case you're new, we do our reviews section by section through the episode. We stop, have a big discussion about it, and then go on to the next section. But this is a spoiler review. So if you have not seen it, go watch the episode. Come on back and hang out with us. Let's start like we always do, talking about the overall feeling coming out of episode five. Mike, Burton Birdie, back to direct this one. Tell me what you're feeling coming out of episode five as we go into this finale next week. I feel like a broken record, but this show just keeps getting better and better. Uh, it... <laughs> I, I still don't know if it's going to top WandaVision. I mean, I think that this, I think mm. they are telling a story at the top of their level. Uh, WandaVision was just so high concept that maybe it's still going to win out, but it is definitely by a, by a mile, uh, the next best after WandaVision. If it doesn't overtake it next week, uh, it's amazing. They're doing everything that Marvel does best. Uh, and that is actually balancing out a really strong emotional story that fits for this version, for this story, mm -hmm. while giving you all the fan service and fun stuff that you want from a Marvel uh, story. Like the balance of like kind of feeding into the bigger universe while telling a very specific story uh, sometimes doesn't always work. Sometimes it's like maybe it's a little bit too much specific and not enough of the bigger Marvel universe. Sometimes mm -hmm. it feels like it's all servicing the bigger Marvel universe and not a specific story. And Hawkeye is just right down the middle. Uh, hitting that bullseye, you might yeah. say, uh, of getting it just right. And so I'm thrilled. And uh, if anybody's been listening, we also know that I finally am confirmed that I'm not getting Mephisto'd this week. <laughs> and it feels real, real good to not get Mephisto'd. That's true. That's true. Shannon, what's your feeling coming out of episode five? Do you share a lot of the accolades Michael Vogel feels about the show at this point? Yeah, absolutely. Bert and Birdie continue to hit it yeah. out of the park directorially. Um, we truly hope that there is a place for them in the MCU going forward because they are delivering the most thus far the most consistent the most consistent of the uh, MCU series. Mm. Um, you know, Wanda Maximoff, she is still up there with the gold medal, but Clinton Cater right behind her with the silver. Uh, uh, threatening to climb up to that top spot and Loki sitting there with his bronze medal, uh, angry and upset, um, as, as his character would be. Um, you know, we got a, an MVP with, uh, Florence Pugh this episode. Oh, and the, Lord. And yeah. the great thing about this episode is like, uh, like the, the joy of watching two really great actors talk with really great writing 
it was just on full display here. Like we didn't have the most action this episode. Mm. And when you're doing six episodes, you don't, not everyone can be episode three. You can't have a huge action sequence each time. Yeah. Um, but I mean, this was, this was an emotional action, action sequence. This was an acting action sequence. You got to see these two just really, really talented performers just sort of joust. And yeah. it was a delight to behold. Yeah, absolutely agree with both of you in terms of the approach they're taking here, in terms of the overall feeling coming at episode five. Uh, clearly, you know, they've really focused on making each of these series cinematic in their own way. And certainly seeing Burton Birdie, I agree with you, Shannon. I hope there's a theatrical feature coming from both of these people because they're doing such a fantastic job over these last few episodes to really bring the life of Hawkeye out and kind of flesh out all we're getting within these characters. And you're absolutely right. Who knew that the most action-filled scene was going to be where no one's even throwing a punch? These two going at it verbally sparring and seeing both sides, both hitting and both getting points. You know, it was almost like you were watching a verbal judo match, you know, where everyone was getting points here. And in the end, Yelena does what Yelena does and almost imitates her sister by being dramatic and posing herself and how she falls out that window. So very interesting stuff, as you see. And we get more with Clint. We get more, and then we get the big reveal and more with Maya, which I thought was nice to see. And this situation with Kazi developing step-by-step step and piece-by-piece. Piece. I don't agree with my two fellow uh, geek buddies. For me, it's Loki, then WandaVision, and now Hawkeye is pretty much maybe going to overtake them both, to be honest with you, if they stick the landing, because that's been the big complaint about the, all these MCU shows is they don't 100% stick the landing. If this one sticks the landing, I think it'll vault itself possibly into the number one spot for a lot of people, but we shall see. All right, final warning. If you haven't seen the uh, show, go and watch the show, then come on back and hang out with us. Episode five of Ron. I'm going to jump into it now. We start out with a voiceover rehash of Black Widow's ending and Yelena's mission to free the other Black Widows from Tom's control. Oh, Tom, uh, whatever his name's control. Tom, what was it? what's his name? The guy in the Black Widow, the mean guy, Tom, uh, the actor? Oh, I can't remember. Anyway, it's 2018. Yelena and another, and another widow break into Anna's house thinking this Anna person is a black widow who's been mind controlled. They eventually overpower her, hit her with the red serum, but she's actually not under mind control. We find out she's a contract killer and living comfortably uh, based on the amount of money she's making killing people around the world. They talk about how many widows Yelena has released from mind control. She talks about how tough it is, but she thinks it's worthy work to be doing. They talk about Natasha. Uh, and they make a joke about sex in the city, kind of topical now. And she excuses herself, goes to the bathroom, and then blips and comes back five years later. This mirrors what we saw uh, in WandaVision as well uh, with, the, uh, with Monica blipping out and coming back, sitting in the same seat in the hospital room. She comes back five years later in that bathroom. As the room changes, she walks out. She sees Anna's husband, immediately points her arm to maybe zap him. Then she the, sees the adopted child sitting there, and then Anna steps out from behind the couch there. They, they We cut to them discussing what happened and what Anna has been up to. And Anna's saying, hey, I can help you. You can be a contract killer. You can live here until you get on your own feet, blah, blah, blah. And Yelena uh, asks about Natasha, and we go right into the Hawkeye. So let's just stop here to deal with all of this. Michael, a blip. Yelena, Anna, Black Widows connecting the tissue 2018, <clears throat> 2023, clearly uh, she was blipped, and now she's got to deal with that as well. You know, I was I was talking to somebody about this, and again, this is what I love about Marvel. I remember after Endgame when Spider-Man Far From Home was coming out, and yeah, yeah. everybody was kind of like, are they going to address the blip? Are we going to just sort of skip over it? Like, is, every, like, is this something that happened that we're just going to kind of leave behind and kind of move forward? And 
you know, from the very first opening scenes of Far From Home, it was very clear that that's not what we were doing and that the right. blip was a big plot point. And the fact that this massive event in the Marvel Cinematic Universe is still a massive event and that we yeah. keep coming back to it because of how important it is was amazing. When it first, when this scene first opened and it said it was 2018, I just started trying to do the math in my head of like, okay, so wait, where in the Marvel Universe? Like, where is this post this? Is this pre this? And then contextually, you sort of get it. It's post Black yeah. Widow. She and the other Black Widows are doing what they set out to do, which is free Black Widows. Uh, you know, nice little color on this that this Black Widow didn't actually need to be saved. Conversations happening. Mention Natasha. You see that that's an important thing. And like, this conversation is really good because. If you've seen Black Widow and you're a super Marvel nerd, like I'm assuming most of the people watching this and listening to this are, yeah. um, you know, you know this. It's sort of a nice refresher. But if you're just a casual Disney Plus viewer and you don't really know who this person is yet, they do a really good job of this scene doesn't bog things down with exposition, right, but right, it gives right. you exactly the amount of information you need to understand, most importantly, that this is Natasha's sister and she really does love her. Yeah. Then yeah. she goes into the bathroom and... I just love that we keep seeing the blip from different mm. perspectives. Obviously, when we saw Infinity War and the end of Infinity War, you see what it was like for those left behind as we watch everybody get dusted. And then with WandaVision, we had that amazing moment where Monica Rambeau sort of woke up. Yeah. And just we get contextually that she kind of felt like she dozed off next to her mom and then woke up. And we saw that pandemonium. And we when we did that review, we were like, how cool was it to see how stressful and crazy that was when everybody came back? And here we got to see the blip from a blipped person's perspective, which we haven't seen yet. So like mm -hmm. she goes to the bathroom, there's this dust moment, and then she's just back and we see like everything around her change because they repainted and everything. And it was just such an awesome way to visualize the blip and to yeah. really get a first person perspective of that sense of disorientation and what that really feels like and how weird it is. Yeah. Um, and so like just props to them for continuing to bring us back to this thing, but continuing to do like slightly different shades on it. And then she comes out and you know, you're kind of getting still with her, with that black widow with, with Anna, like they're getting that conversation and you see how disoriented she is. You see yeah. how weird it is. And we know what's coming, you know? And like, we know because we're nerds, like what has happened? She's like, I need to find yeah. my sister. And we're like, Oh, we know what happened to your sister. <laughs> and this is, this is going to be bad. Yeah, and I thought it was brilliant that they didn't cut to the other. They didn't cut to Anna. They link the camera yeah. lingered on her, so the so the uh, so you could create the emotion or create the interaction in your head next about what's going to happen or what information she's going to get. Shannon, what did you think about this opening here? You know, we saw Yelena being previewed last week. She didn't speak a word this week. Certainly, a lot of words of speaking, but starting out with her blipping and then coming back. What's the effect of all of that here as we start this episode? Well, I love that she got herself a new vest. Because at the end of Black Widow, she gave Natasha her great vest. The new one clearly doesn't have as many pockets, but it's still something she would have picked out on her own, which was why the first vest was such a big deal. Um, what I thought was really interesting, I mean, again, small close quarters combat, still shot very well. Like, it's very easy for that stuff to either go in tight, kind of born style, and very quickly kind of, like, get a little discombobulated. Like, they, they kept it tight enough, but it was also wide enough that you saw everything that was going on. Also, it was really interesting as they were talking, talking when is it like oh so you know you and natasha are going to go live your sex in the city lives in new york um there's a moment when uh yelena excuses herself so mm. something has happened between yes. her and natasha that yeah. we don't Good know point. about yet Good because point. she went she went to you know splash some water on her face i loved the visual like it was just yeah. the coolest coolest thing like at that point 
I had forgotten. I had forgotten about the blip. Like I saw 2018. I'm like, okay, well, yeah, that's that's when this. Uh, um, but then as soon as it happened, I'm like, oh shit, that's right. Okay, so now it's been confirmed. Yelena was blipped. Um, Anna, very casual about yeah. her her former uh, co-widow uh, yeah. showing up after five years. And I really like how it, it presented um, this reality into the MCU. They haven't really talked about is all the kids whose parents got blipped and what happens Why? to those kids. And so adoptions would probably, you know, go through, you know, go through the roof. And mm-hmm. what happens when those parents come back? I mean, it's just such an interesting, right. such an interesting little sprinkle to, to find out what's going to happen. Um, but yeah, overall, just Florence Pugh, she's, she looks like she's probably very tiny in person. Yeah. Like she has these cherubic like features, but in a, in a snap she can turn on this intensity behind her eyes. And that is not something that's what, that's what a movie star is right there. That's something that they can do. I think that's, what's incredible watching her, especially through this episode, when you're watching someone who can do it with such ease and Shannon and and Mike, you know, we're, we're varying degrees of actors. We've experienced it. We've done it. Watching someone at such a young age, do it so effortlessly certainly conveys a lot of work, but also conveys an innate natural talent that you, you can't help but be, lack of a better term in marvel of don't you think yeah oh, no, absolutely 100 i'm now like i'm now just really focused on given that we're all at varying degrees of actors i'm very curious as to how we would be rated but i'm not going to get into that I why think do I we would... need the bronze medal i mean we don't even need to know i'm, I'm not curious end of the geek buddies right there end of the geek buddies no but i do think you're right i mean i think both both you and shannon are right is that like there you know like there there are just certain people that have that thing and uh you know i have friends who work at marvel and you know Mm. one of the things that they pride themselves on is their casting i mean they really do as we've seen from the transformations physically that they're not going to like hire the oh well you look like this person or you are super strong and muscular or you look like a superhero they're going out and finding those people that have that special something in general or that specific something that works for that character and you know, knowing um, knowing what a big deal it was to have Black Widow in the MCU and knowing that she didn't get her movie until probably way later than she mm. should have. Uh, and knowing that uh, Marvel is really trying to, like, push forward representation in general. Like, having someone step in to be the new Black Widow when people really did like uh, Natasha Romanoff so much yeah. is, is a hard thing to do. And I think between... The Black Widow movie, and now what we're seeing here. I mean, I think everyone is like, "Give me more Yelena Belova." Like she, I'm, I'm good for her to be Black Widow for as long as she wants to be Black Widow because yeah. she is absolutely killing it. Yeah, yeah. Well, their their ability to read the tea leaves in terms of casting. I mean, going back to the beginning, like, yeah. why would you want your Captain America to be someone who already played a Marvel superhero? And you know, the casting of Chris Evans that was a huge. I mean, he was a huge coup for them. Yeah. Like. Chris Chris Hemsworth. I mean, he was uh, he was an Australian. His star was on the rise, mm-hmm. but his biggest credit at that point, at least to American audiences, was Kirk's father in the Star Trek reboot. Yeah. So to be able to kind of pick these people out, Tom Hiddleston, he auditioned yep. for Thor. He didn't audition for Loki. Like they they were able to see this thing, and like thus far, I I have to think that off the top of my head, like they're casting. They're pretty much batting a thousand at this point. Yeah, almost. I mean, some people might have issues with a couple of the casting, but overall, in terms of their main people, I think you they've nailed it absolutely. And don't forget that Robert Downey Jr. coming out of all those substance abuse issues and him having to take out double secure, double insurance stuff just to be able to be an Iron Man. That's a hell. They took a lot of risks 
high, what is it? High reward, high risk, high reward, basically. And now they're reaping the rewards big time and attracting really good actors like Benedict Cumberbatch, like Florence Pugh, who are bringing a, a lot of depth to these characters that allow them to expand the stories out even more. It's brilliant. Uh, all right, Kate Bishop shows up at her mom's place and Eleanor asks if she's okay. They check in with each other and it seems so genuine, which is going to make Eleanor's turn even more brutal. Uh, they chat as Eleanor takes care of her wounds. Eleanor asks if Clint thought Kate was a superhero. Eleanor says uh, recklessness is the important side effect of being a hero. Kind of a reference to the death of her husband, possibly, or something more. We see Kate's first bow as they talk about with Kate saying, oh, I bet you regret giving me my first bow. Eleanor tells her that the paths we walk on are strange and winding in surprising ways. We never know where we're going to end up. Kind of, I don't know, a little bit of a mind F in there, messing around with her a little bit. She's so sweet here, I said. Ugh. Then Kate tells her about what Clinton her found out about Jack and Sloan Limited. And you can tell you... Vera Farmiga, another masterful actress, of course. We're talking about Florence Proof, but Vera Farmiga as well, playing these moments, playing these levels at multiple times as Kate Bishop is telling her about Sloan Limited, about Jack. Uh, and we cut to Kazi then healing Maya. He gets her to, uh, to open up as a tough person might open up. And then she tells him about Yelena, or not specifically Yelena, but that someone else was on the roof there. He tries to convince her to stop hunting Ronan, then eventually relents and says, once they catch him, they are done. She does not agree. She just walks out of frame. All right. So let's stop here. Kate, Eleanor, Kazi, Maya, what do we take from this here, Shannon? What's your feelings? I mean, the sort of embattled Kate coming yeah. back. Like, like, you know, she she suffered she suffered some injuries. Yeah. She's got some some scratches and some bruises. But more than anything, her spirit's crushed right now because mm -hmm. her idol has literally told her. <clears throat> you are not my partner. I don't want you around. I mean, it like, as Vogel talked about, it's, it's the Lassie, you know, making Lassie go away. Like, I don't want you here. I don't want you here, Kate, go away. Um, what's really interesting about Vera Farmiga's performance here, because throughout, with the exception of the first episode, with the first scene where she was with, uh, Brian Darcy James, um, yeah. to me, there's been sort of this, there's been sort of a weirdness to Vera Farmiga's performance, just sort of like almost a falseness. Mm -hmm. And as she was, um, you know, kind of patching up Kate, to me, this was the most honest work that Farmiga has done. And I'm starting mm -hmm. to think that that falseness was all by design. Yeah. That this is someone who, as she's t telling Kate, like, you never know where your path is going to take you. I don't think it's a mind death. I think she's talking about herself. Oh, because in the wake okay. of her in the wake of her husband passing, she probably has had to do some things to right. keep her family afloat. And now she's so sort of needy Bennett she can't get out yeah. um but I, I love the little design touches that you have uh in the background you have a Hawkeye poster like you have mm. a poster of Clint we see another one later like sort of the cover of a magazine I believe and then getting to the sort of the same scene with Kazi and Maya her Alico Cox again for yeah. someone who is a new performer um the intensity she is able to convey the emotional depth she is able to convey is really, really something else. I mean, again, this is this is something that you're born with. This is like you can be taught, you can be taught acting to a degree. And then at some point, like it, you're just that natural gift has to take over. Yeah. Um, and just watching the intensity behind her eyes was just so, so great. But I just love the I love the composition of both of them trying to heal and uh coming up short to a degree. Yeah, and it's interesting too, because both who we're gonna find out later, both of the people healing the person have stuff in their backgrounds that are going to yeah. affect the person they're healing. So in, in essence, they're healing them just to shatter them all over the, again, 
even worse. So it's an interesting kind of juxtaposition you bring up, Shannon. Excellent point. And I wonder, Mike, are we going to get a a, a um, confrontation between Eleanor and Kate that elevates to the point where she says, do you know what it was like to walk into your room and see those Hawkeye posters? It drove me insane what he did to our father or my husband, rather. I wonder if that's coming down the road uh, to mirror the confrontation between Kazi and uh, Maya uh, a little bit as well. What did you think about these two scenes kind of working in tandem with each other? I mean, I think they're definitely designed to work in tandem with each yeah. other. I mean, you have two you have two very strong, very stubborn women and the people that I think genuinely care about them. I mean, I think Shannon's right in That's that I don't, think, I don't think this is Eleanor. Uh, look, Eleanor is hiding a lot from Kate, for right. sure. I mean, that is very, I mean, that's what we've all been thinking from episode one, and it's very, very clear now. But I think that Eleanor really does love Kate, and I think everything that she says in this scene is 100% genuine and true, and she does want to protect Kate, and she does, she wants Kate away from this life because she just wants, like, and I think we said this last week, like, if Kate left this alone, if Kate didn't go back into all this, Eleanor would continue to be doing the things behind the scenes that Eleanor is doing. And Kate would have a very comfortable life and be very well off. And they would go on fabulous vacations and they would do really fun mother daughter things together. And it would be great. Um, And I think Eleanor really, really wants that. Uh, I think she does love Kate. And I think that, you know, that's just not going to be in the cards. And similarly, um, despite kind of where we really think things are going with Kazi, I think that he very much cares about Maya. Yes. I think that he really wants Maya to leave the Ronin stuff alone because he knows where that goes if she keeps going to it. And we kind of get the hints of that at the end of this episode. So I think you just have these two characters that really do genuinely care about the people that they are talking to, but also have done things in their past that are going to super fuck up the people they care about. So I think yeah. that's really 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 interesting to me and it's really lovely and you know kind of you know you can just to the point of and what shannon was saying about uh about about maya like you can see in these scenes with echo why marvel and disney plus were like give her her show yeah like 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 (laughs) echo is a really cool character in the comics not necessarily someone that you would think would get her own series per se. Yeah. Um, you maybe like show up in a lot of other series as a supporting character, but you can see in this performance with this actress why they were like, you know what? Not only is there more story to tell here, um, but like she's a star. Yeah. Um, and I also, well, no, I'll save that for later. That's what I think about okay. those scenes. It's really good. Good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. And I agree with both of you, both of your compliments on the Lake Cox, because I mean, Shannon, Mike, we both, well, we've all seen uh actors male or female play tough characters and overdo it and you know all of that stuff that doesn't really work maybe even some people on this podcast right oh wow (laughs) wow wow Wow. (laughs) you should not be so hard on yourself the birds it worked it worked we went to the show we said you did good work uh, but anyway but, no, but like seeing her like you know when you overdo it and you're not authentically tough it's so obvious to see and so great it's great to see her doing this and working in both ways both with her hands and her eyes like these both things working in tandem to kind of show you the intensity or the emotion that's going on and she's really great at it uh and i agree with you shannon i think there is a genuine love she has for kate and it could be interesting too like Maybe this is a whole way of protecting her because if she loses Kate, and she said this to Clint, I don't know what I'd do with myself if I lost Kate. Yeah. So maybe Kate is this kind of barrier between her and her even more evil impulses, or 
uh, uh, other impulses that are self-harming for her because she will have lost the two people she loves the most in the world. So the last thing she wants is for her to be mixed up with the Avengers and die just like her husband died because of the Avengers trying to save New York at the time. Allegedly. Yeah, allegedly. Allegedly. Died. allegedly right. If I don't see a body, I don't trust it. <laughs> That's fair. Uh, but, I also, but I also think kind of to the bigger to the bigger point about what the show is about and about the scene that we're about to get into mm. in a second. Like what I love about the Marvel Universe in general and what we're really seeing here is that like it's not bad guys, good guys. Right. Like, like for, 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 for stuff that's based on a comic book uh, that, you know, a comic book stories that tend to be people who aren't comic book lovers tend to minimize to good guys, bad guys fight. Like yeah. we're seeing sh so many shades of this. Clint has done horrible things. Like yeah. what, what Yelena is about to say to Kate about yeah. Clint, not wrong. Like Clint's done horrible things, but as a hero, Eleanor yeah. loves her daughter and wants what's best for her. This kind of a villain. Yeah. Um, Echo is working for bad guys and does bad things, but we're all super into her and want to see her not be a bad guy anymore. So Hawkeye as a show, uh, which is really sort of examining hero worship and how mm -hmm. we look at our heroes and how we look at things, but really giving us not a lot of black and white, just giving yeah. us a whole, whole lot of gray. Yeah, there are yeah. enough perspectives for you to latch on to. Yeah, oh, Shannon? Well, no, I was going to say that's a great, there's a great bit from the Fraction comic mm. where uh, Clint has confronted one of the tracksuit mafia and he's basically talking about Captain America and how Captain America makes you want to be a better person. He yeah. makes you want to do the right thing. And Clint reminds the tracksuit mafia guys like, he's not here right now. Basically <laughs> saying like, yeah, yeah. I'm a hero. I work with the best hero, but <laughs> I'm not afraid to do but what I need to me. do. Yeah. Not me. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Many types of heroes, for sure. And sure, we've seen how many criminals, how many, I mean, Sopranos, everybody loved Tony Soprano, even though he was a pretty evil guy, but he did love his kids. So it's possible. So, yeah. All right. Kate ends up back at her uh, bombed out, fired out place, notices a window is open, and boom, Yelena is there. Hey, she's made macaroni because she was starving and Kate took forever <laughs> to get back to her place. She says she wants to talk, but she needs a fork and makes a comment about her cutlery that is hilarious. Look, we're just gonna. I'm gonna touch on all these moments because Florence Pugh so is good. Epic, incredible in here. Yelena is insulted that Kate would accuse her of trying to kill her and break in. And she and she and then she tries to say she has no weapons, but then realizes she's lying about that. Uh, and it talks about being having dinner with the enemy. Wants uh, this macaroni with hot sauce. Uh, and Yelena all of a sudden just wants tips on uh, sites. She's, she's on a business trip, a very casually said, um, but she wants to take in the sites and the restaurants. And they talk about reindeer meat and great and how long it takes to braise reindeer meat. And we talk about the new and improved Statue of Liberty. What? <laughs> For those of you who've seen a certain thing, you know what they might be referencing here. Then Yelena gets serious about knowing her and knowing her history because Kate calls her out on calling her, saying her name constantly, Kate Bishop. Uh, there's a dog reference uh, there. that she saved a dog, which is kind of a, a companion to what happens in Black Widow because she says she wants a dog. Uh, she says she's in NYC not to kind of talk to Clint, but to kill Clint and wants to know why Kate defends him. Uh, Kate says he saved the world. Yelena says, no, Natasha saved the world. She's very serious Ooh. about this. Yelena laughs at Kate uh, when Kate says, oh, my God, I could, I, I could have killed you on the roof. And Yelena just laughing at her. Yelena says Clint's trying to protect her reputation as Ronan, and then she has an issue with the word Avenger. Kate defends him. Uh, and says there is collateral damage, which Elena takes offense to, saying, "My sister's not collateral damage." Elena also tells her that 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 uh, Clint has a trail of bodies that could circle the world. Kate realizes that somebody has hired Elena to kill Clint, and Kate says, "You should look at who hired you, because Clint is a good guy." 
Yelena says we are defined by what we do, not by nice words. Why does everybody always forgive Clint? She wants to know where he is. Kate doesn't know. Yelena believes her. And then she leaves, thanks her for the girls' night, and says, don't get in her way again. And I I'll reiterate, I wrote here, and then dramatically falls out the window. <laughs> so, uh, Michael, this is a great, great scene. Please, uh, you and Shannon write, uh, you know, animated series, write episodes. This is a scene you dream about writing, don't you think? Oh, my God, yes. I mean, I'll, I'll go far as to say, not only is this probably one of the best scenes in Hawkeye, like, I think in the big scheme of things, this is one of the best scenes in the MCU. Like, that's how that. good this scene was. Yeah. And it's good because what Yelena's, like, this is an interrogation scene. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like, I mean, like, like, like at the base level, Yelena is interrogating Kate Bishop to see what she knows, to figure out who she is, what she's about, and get information about Clint, but also yeah. get a sense of who Kate is. And she's doing it in a really casual way. Uh, definitely shades of David Harbour as Red Guardian in the way oh, that she is yeah. acting. Like, you can just see that in a lot of ways she is her father's daughter. She even uh, references her father about the macaroni. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, you know, she kind of has this very casual, but whereas Red Guardian kind of is that dumb, um, <laughs> she's being really casual and funny. And, like, you get this sense that she is being very honest i think mm -hmm. everything she says is very honest but it's also designed to sort of put kate, kate bishop at ease while at the same time saying kate bishop's full name repeatedly automatically yeah. doesn't put her and like so the whole thing is great because florence Pugh as an actress is holding this tension mm -hmm. of being casual and cute and intense at the exact same time and the yeah. and like it starts off where casual and cute is here and intense is down here and as the scene progresses it just goes like this mm -hmm. and it's just a master class to watch like yeah. it is so so amazing and it's so funny i mean this is where you're really like she can be black widow for 12 more movies and i'm good like i am totally <laughs> fine um and then but like just to be clear like sometimes the best thing you can do as an actor is react yes and what Haley steinfeld steinfeld's doing across the table being completely off her game, like, again, she has dreamed of being a hero her whole life. Yeah. She is like, this is going to be so much fun. I'm going to save people. There are costumes. And all of a sudden, this clearly very dangerous person is standing in front of her, very casually talking about the weapon she has. And she realizes that she has she has no recourse but to sit there. Yeah. If, if, if Yelena Belova wants to kill you, you're dead. Yeah. And like, that is actually just, she's like, she's like, if I wanted to kill you, you'd, she's like, I'd be dead already. She's like, yeah. And she's like, okay, I'm gonna sit down. And like her just sort of reacting and being so sort of out of her element. Mm -hmm. But then when it comes to Clint really rising to his defense and what their conversation is here in this scene is really what this show is about mm -hmm. because neither one of like, this isn't a, I think in a lesser show, you would have Yelena come in and go, well, I think Clint killed Natasha. Yeah. And we would all go, okay, well, then I understand why she feels the way she did. But, like, we all know what really happened on Boromir, and that's not what – maybe when she knows that, she'll understand. But that's not what she says. Right. She's like, he's a killer. He did this. He did this. He did this. And you're sitting there, and you're like, she's not wrong. Right. And then, and then Haley Seinfeld, like, Kate is like, yeah, but he did this, and he did this, and he saved us. And you're like – Yes, she's not wrong. Mm -hmm. And the net net here is, yeah, it's not black and white. Clint Barton is a hero. Clint Barton is a killer. They're both 100% correct. And then you just see that moment where Yelena, A, 
believes Kate. Yes. And B, kind of like you can see that she likes Kate. And mm-hmm. I mean, it's like it was like I went back and watched the scene like two times. Like, I mean, it it literally might be my favorite scene in the Marvel Universe <laughs> at this moment. Uh, great. Uh, Shannon, the thoughts on this scene here between them, between these two uh, wonderful actresses and uh, and as an actor watching the body positions. Right. Uh, Haley Steinfeld is very rigid at uh, throughout the whole process. And Yelena's just kind of chill out, shoulders down, totally in control, as Seinfeld might say, master of her domain. What do you th- what did you think of this uh, interaction between these two? I mean, this is up there with some of, I agree with Vogel, this is up there with some of the best written and some some of the best performed scenes in the MCU. I mean, Mm -hmm. some of my favorites, like Tony and Steve in Civil War, when they're talking about signing the Accords, Tony and Peter in Homecoming, when he finally steps out of the suit and you see he's actually there, T'Challa with T'Chaka, you know, in the, in the Mm -hmm. afterlife, like this is, this is up there with all of those because you're getting this great you're getting great exposition. You're getting great information and great emotion at the same time. I mean, the the ease with which Florence Pugh's Yelena just sort of navigates this scene. Yeah. Um, the fact that she keeps calling her Kate Bishop, Kate Bishop, Kate Bishop. As an audience, we don't really think other than like, okay, she's Russian. English is, is not her first language. Like that's that's how she would refer to it. But Kate is the one who picks up on it and says, do you keep saying my full name to demonstrate that you know it? And like the the path to to Yelena's next sort of salvo yeah. is fantastic. She's like, oh yeah, I know a lot about you. I mean, just yeah. just the confidence. And even when Kate says, "Oh my God, you're Natasha's sister," thank goodness I didn't kill you up on that roof. And again, the confidence of Yelena, like, oh, Kate Bishop, you are funny. <laughs> like Yelena is operating from a position of of power. Yeah, and when Kate kind of turns it around on her and says, you think Clint is bad, but someone hired you to kill him. You should look into them because he's a good, like it was just such a well-written scene. I mean, I love at the beginning when she makes Mac and cheese, because that's the thing as a little girl at the beginning of black widow that she told Rachel Vice that she wanted, right? Like that's what she wanted for dinner was Mac and cheese. Um, Yeah. Just, again, this is just those situations of watching great actors perform. And when you have fantastic writing like they had in this episode, I mean, it's a a joy to watch. Yeah. And I go back to your earlier point, Shannon, the casting, right? This is how you attract really good actors. They look at your script. They read your script. They see the levels that you're playing at. And it isn't, as Michael pointed out, good versus evil, bad, 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 good, good, you know, heroes, villains, very clear cut. No, it's much more gray and actors that love to play within the gray. And I don't, I don't know many actors that don't, are excited to jump into yeah. something like that and expand the definition of what a superhero movie can be. And I think that's brilliant here. Uh, and one more thing I want to add to this in, in terms of my own point of view, I know I've been saying for a long time that we, that uh, I think Spider-Man or Peter Parker, you know, Tom Holland is going to take over as a leader of the Avengers. I will tell you right now, after watching this scene a second time, as Michael watched it twice as well, I came away thinking, are they setting up these two to be the new Tony and cap? It just did. It just in that moment, I was like, yeah, you've got one coming from some anger and some bitterness and defensiveness. Another one coming from a bit of more privileged lifestyle. Are these two going to lead the Avengers and possibly in the future be the two that battle about what the best course of action is. And I wonder if there's a begrudging growing respect. Florence is playing. This character is growing in her respect and esteem of Kate 
Uh, it's interesting. I just it just occurred to me. But what do you guys? Think? I mean, I, I just I'll just say. Uh, and again, I'm living in the I'm living in the holiday afterglow of an amazing <laughs> run on <Hawkeye laughs> plus Spider Man yeah. uh, No Way Home. But how great that we have this cinematic universe where you could make an argument for several people running true. the Avengers. Very like true. we have we have a black Captain America. Yeah. That that despite Falcon and Winter Soldier maybe not being the strongest of the Disney Plus shows, they really stuck that landing with selling us on him stepping into that Captain America role. Mm. Uh, we've got Peter Parker, who everybody is very much loving. And after this weekend, more people are going to love him even more. Um, and now we have these two relatively new characters who have come out of nowhere. And yeah. we're already talking about either one of them could lead the team like... It is a wealth of characters with a wealth of emotional depth and uh, levels to play. Uh, all of them kind of reacting to this legacy of characters who have already sort of kind of retired mm. and no signs of stopping. Like it's really there's it's just like it's a it is a it is a uh, a toy box that just seems infinitely deep that could go on forever. You can and say still. You can say plethora. Go ahead, yes. <laughs> they still have bullets in the chamber. Yes. Because yeah. we haven't gotten to, like, everyone loved Monica Rambeau. Like, we yeah. haven't gotten to the Marvels yet. I mean, right. there's still, you know, there's still so much to see mm -hmm. as well. So, I mean, I, but I agree with you, John. Like, watching that, I'm just like, I could 100% see Yelena yeah. being, being the new leader, being a new leader of the Avengers. I mean, when we get that movie, which... Lord knows. Yeah. I mean, the potential roster that they're going to have is right. pretty incredible. Maybe Lord Miller knows. Who knows? But uh, this, the idea of <laughs> these two leading, I think, is exciting to me as well. And remember, it's not like the Avengers were a bunch of, you know, two alphas and a bunch of B. They were all alphas in their own way. So it would make sense to restock the Avengers with a bunch of alphas all over the place as well, who are willing to occasionally cede control or cede the leadership role when the moment calls for it. So that could be interesting down the road. All right, let's move on here. Clint shows up at Moira's apartment with Grills. Grills is there. Is it wrong that I see Grills as a young Busta Rhymes? I don't know. You can come after me if you like, but I like that feeling. That's why I like Grills. I love that voice <laughs> of his. Uh, Clint asks him to look after the dog. He's staying at a hotel. Grills says, nah, man, you're staying here. Uh, as uh, Lucky cuddles up on the couch with him, he says that there are new uniforms, but Marvel is so smart. Clint says, no, no. I don't want to see it right now. I'm looking forward to it, but maybe later. That sounds like episode six, probably. We cut to Kate walking in on Jack being arrested, and I go back to what we talked about in the previous episode, that Jack may be a patsy here. Jack says the only Sloan she, he knew was this woman he dated in Palm Beach. <laughs> I didn't look if there was a reference to anything for that, but it seems like it's not referencing anything really specific in the Marvel Universe. Jack is remarkably calm here, claiming he's been framed, saying he'll be back for Christmas festivities, no problem. Eleanor plays the concerned mom here and betrayed fiance as Kate says, oh, I'm so sorry, mom. And they hug and she says she checked it out. Oh, boy. Clint is at the Avengers Memorial here. I think this actually exists. Am I wrong on this? I think there's a plaque somewhere in one of these places in New York, but I don't know. Um, and wants to talk to Natasha, says she he was she was the bravest loyal stubborn most stubborn and she always had to win uh and he says he does his best every day to earn what she gave him some saving, saving private ryan vibes there and that he misses her and he's sorry for what he's about to do then we cut to kate getting out of bed seeing all her awards seeing clint's picture seeing that first bow and then she swingers his voice <laughs> and leaves a crap ton of messages 
which I think might be a playful uh, homage to John Favreau playing that character in Swingers, who of course is in the MCU and directed the first Iron Man, two Iron Man movies. Then we cut to the Bro Moving Company with Ivan and Thomas having a funny conversation about Christmas music that is stopped by an arrow with a message for Maya. Let's just stop there. Gentlemen, a lot in those sequences. Uh, let's jump into it. Shannon, what stands out for you from these sequences or what do you think of all these come together? I mean, Clint walking to sad Charlie Brown music is pretty awesome. And, you know, again, Grills is very much like a supporting character here. Yeah. But the, I don't know, just the, I want to say the love in his heart for, for Clint when he's just like, you know, Hawkeye staying in a hotel on Christmas. Nah, take the couch. You can take my bed. Like, it's just, <laughs> it's just the nicest, Dog. it's the nicest thing to see. Yeah. Um, when we get to Jack being arrested, you know, uh, upcoming on our Spider-Man review, Roka has a very big called it moment that we will talk about then. But when we got, when as soon as he, as uh, Jack was saying, I, I don't know any Sloan Limited, I was thankful to have one called it moment. I'm just like, <laughs> he might be the CEO, but he doesn't know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the whole idea that he's just like, I've never worked a day in my life. <laughs> and how, like, clearly, you know, Eleanor is the one who called the cops. And yeah. he's just like, I would have done the same thing. Like, yeah. he's so forgiving. Like, there was a moment that I'm like, oh, my God, if he's not out in time for this in time for the for the last episode, we might not get the epic uh, sword fight that we would really like to see from swordsman. But I Fair am enough. guessing that uh, through his wealth and family connections, he will probably be out. <laughs> um, yeah, that moment where Clint goes to talk to Natasha at the plaque the fact that he turns his uh his uh hearing device off yeah so he can just kind of you know blur out all the noise around him and he can just focus on this again really strong work from Jerry from Jeremy Renner I mean it, it, it's it's interesting that in a show called Hawkeye like we talk about the supporting cast so much but it is all anchored around him and him and Kate yeah and watching that moment like where he's basically just saying I wish I I wish I could have talked to you he still sees sort of I guess the silliness is like you you gave this up for a silly orange rock <laughs> yeah stupid um, orange rock yeah yeah I mean it was just that's just a heartbreaking that's just a heartbreaking moment yeah. and then basically kind of forecasting what he's about to do like we're like mm -hmm. oh shit what decision has he made? And yeah, it was just really great section of scenes. Yeah. Uh, Mike, what stands out from you uh, for all of this, from all these uh, scenes come together here in this moment, in the section? Yeah. I mean, I just like, I mean, I don't even know if we're going to get a Jack sword fight at all. I mean, they might be saving him for down the road. Like, I mean, I, I really am like, he's a patsy in all this. Like he's just some, he loves his swords. He's really good at it. He was at the auction in the first episode. You know, he just is, he's just there and his name is on the thing because Eleanor is no dummy. I mean, yeah. like, that's really, <laughs> that's really what it seems like right now. And with all the things that we need to do in next week's finale, like, I don't know that him showing up and showing off his sword skills is there. I, mm. I kind of hope it is. I'll be happy if it is. But if it's not, I'll, I'll be like, that's fine too. I, I love that he was our big red herring, that we were all just waiting for this thing to happen. <laughs> and it, it might not, I mean, even though we all knew Eleanor was also kind of dirty. Like if she yeah. really did him dirty like that, you're like, girl, you bad, you nasty, yeah. you nasty. Um, 
The Jeremy Renner scene was great. I mean, I uh, I was just talking to a friend of mine last week who mm. had just seen Endgame for the first time somehow. I don't cool. understand. But, uh, and he was really mad that Tony Stark got this amazing send-off and that Natasha didn't. Mm. Um, and I know a lot of people are mad about that. Yeah, like, that's something sure. that's come up with a lot of people. Yeah. And I really just do love how through this show and through both Yelena and Clint, I mean... Natasha Romanoff still looms large in the MCU. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. I mean, her her loss is felt so deeply here, and it's so personal. Like, this isn't a, oh, here's this hero who we're putting up on a statue. But, like, man, like, Clint is so fucked up about... And, you know, it's like, it was, it was great when you saw it in Endgame. Like, the two of them sort of fighting over which one was going to do it and which one was going to yeah. go. And it was a really powerful scene. But as I was saying last week... I think going back and watching Endgame after Hawkeye is just going to make you break even harder at that scene because you know that Clint just doesn't really get over it and just misses her so much. And it's just, I think they just did such a great job with that. I think the combo of both things, Mike, going back and and watching Black Widow and Hawkeye, then watching that moment in Endgame will decimate you for sure. Absolutely. Great stuff being done here. I agree. Uh, what you guys are saying, Jeremy Renner doing fantastic work here. Seeing Eleanor play the, the angles. And I wonder if, yes, he's a patsy, but clearly that man is quite skilled. So I got a feeling that either he's playing the patsy for convenience sake or or what? Because did, did Eleanor Kate know that Kate was coming up the elevator at that time so it could show to kind of throw her off the scent and all that kind of stuff? I wonder how much of this are the machinations of Eleanor Bishop. And there'll be more I have to say about that when we jump into the next section, but well, don't I think forget, there's a lot here. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Don't forget in the comics, the swordsman was a bad guy. Yeah, he was, but was also an Avenger at one point. Yes. I mean, he like was, they're an like they, yeah. as, as, as Marvel is very good at doing, he was clearly set up to be, yeah. this is a bad dude. Like, yeah, there is a chance. He's not a bad dude at all. He's just a douche. Yeah. <laughs> Like, like he just might be a, he might be just a very well-meaning super douchey guy with a nice mustache like yeah, that yeah. could be what he is well, <laughs> uh, two things before we brush back go into the next section we brush past this a uh, kate's moment where she accepts you know because she got into that room and was being healed by her mom and there was conversations about being a superhero not being a superhero um her moment where she wakes up in that bed looks at the bow looks at her awards looks at the picture of clint is her accepting that yes, whatever the consequences are, I'm going to be a hero. And we've seen that with all the heroes in the, in the MCU, there's that moment where they go, yeah, okay, I'm making the decision. This is her decision moment. There's for me, there's no turning back from this moment. And we're going to see what she does well, with that moment. But yeah, it's a really great quickly, thing. I'm actually, yeah. I'm actually really glad you brought that up because yeah. we did kind of gloss over it, but I do think it's really important because this is like, there, and I think we all, everybody in your life, every one of us, mm. everyone listening, I know the three of us, you all go through this. Like, you want to do something with your life. Yeah, yeah. You, you know you want to do it. It's super important. And you always have people you look up to. You always have people you respect. You always have people that are further along on that path than you are. Yeah. And if those people tell you that you're not good enough, if those people tell you that you don't belong here, if those people say this is not for you that can hit you really hard yeah. and that can cause you to just not move forward. And the you reach a point in your life where you have to say, the only person that really matters is me. Yeah. If I believe it, I'm going to do it and fuck everybody else. That's right. And that is Kate Bishop's moment where she goes, 
I yes, Hawkeye's my hero. He's the reason I want to do all this. But if he doesn't think that I have what it takes to be a superhero, fuck that guy. I'm going to do it anyway. And that's awesome. And I'm going to fill his voicemail inbox with messages. Exactly. You, you got me misty there, Vogel. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I just described the outlaw on the schmodown. Good job, Michael. <laughs> and, uh, and, and there was one other thing because yes. we didn't talk about it. Well, you brought it up, John, but neither one of us talked about it. Yeah. Um, the, the uh, what's his name? Alex uh, Pinovich and Piotr. Ed- oh, Ed- yeah. That moment, like oh. the fact that they're talking about the their tracksuit predecessors, Run right, DMC, right. <laughs> like this. When you're looking, when you when you have to cut things for length, this is one of the first things that goes because, like, wow, that's funny. We don't need it. We just need them in a car so an arrow can come through. We don't need this whole back and forth. But the fact that it's streaming and they're able to keep those yeah. moments. Piotr Adamczyk, like, I got to find him to see if he's on Twitter because this guy is so effing funny. Um, he has the best takes when he doesn't oh. actually get hit. Like, when right. that arrow comes through. His, his, when that arrow came through, that was great. <laughs> he, he is just, he is a really, really uh, talented comic performer. And I'm I'm going to make an active effort to start following his career. <laughs> he's so funny. I really hope we get the Disney Plus series along from Echo uh, Tomas. <laughs> I'll stump for Ivan. I like it. We don't know Royal Tenenbaums. We are not Royal Tenenbaums. I think we're Royal Tenenbaums. Um, also, I want to give some love to Clayton English. He's play. He play, plays Grills. This is a guy who's pretty accomplished, ladies and gentlemen. He's a he's a actor and writer and creator. He create. He's one of the creative consultants on Wild and Out. He was a staff writer on AP Bio, which is that show on NBC Peacock. He's hosted the BET Hip Hop Awards and written for them. So this guy was a, and, and done a bunch of acting work as well in TV shows and movies. So he is, this isn't his first rodeo, even though it might be the first time you guys are probably seeing right. him. So just want to give him some love here because he's doing a great job with grills. And you better fucking live. All right, Clint. Uh, <clears throat> let's go. Clint is walking in New York City with a hood on, calls Laura. Clint updates her on Maya, the watch. Yelena and that their info was at Maya's apartment. The family's info was at Maya's apartment. Laura says they've been careful. The kids are uh, moved pretty far away. He says it's not far enough and it's a matter of time before the big guy gets involved. She tells him to follow his gut. She says, do what you have to do and go end this. We cut to a fat man used cars lot. Maya is there with the tracksuit mafia and Kazi. Ronan takes them all out, starting with Kazi one by one. Then they have this fantastic kick-ass fight sequence. Ronan eventually gets the upper hand, pulls the blade on Maya, reveals himself to be Clint Barton, and says he won't kill her as long as any as long as she doesn't threaten his family, uh, because then he will absolutely kill her if she does that. He talks about being a rage-filled blunt weapon and that you can be manipulated, kind of laying the groundwork here for Echo doing the turn into hero territory, uh, because then he reveals that he, the Ronan, was tipped off that her dad was going to be there by an informant that works for the big guy and that the big guy wanted her father dead. Mike says, no, it's not true. Takes that moment to kind of uh, uh, get the upper hand with Ronan, get the sword, and is about to kill Clint when all of a sudden Kate Bishop shows up and shoots the Ronan sword out of her hand. Uh, she jumps onto her motorcycle and drives off almost like she's upset. Kate and Clint run away, and Kate has an Uber waiting for them to take them where they need to go. So resourceful, that Kate Bishop. Kazi rolls up on Maya. Maya says uh, Clint got away, but then interrogate or Ronan got away, but then interrogates him on why he wasn't there the night that her father died when he was the number two person underneath her father. You can tell Kazi's been found out. He tries to kind of cover it, uh, and he says he just didn't get the call. Then she gives him a look, which mirrors the look he gave her when he said, you got to stop going after Ronan, and then rides off. 
Then we cut to Kate and Clint. Kate tells Clint about Yelena. They arrive um, uh, to her place there in the morning. Uh, we cut to, oh yeah, sorry. Kate, we cut to Yelena following Eleanor to a rich building. Why is Yelena following Eleanor? Then we cut to Kate Grills and Clint having breakfast uh, in Moira's apartment. Or, uh, and then Kate gets the text that will change everything. Yelena tells her that she found out who hired her and she's texting her from an unknown number and that it was Eleanor Bishop sends a photo. Kate wants to know who the man is in the photo with her mom, shows it to Clint and Clint reveals that it's Kingpin, a kaboom. So uh, talk to me about this whole section here and what you thought is uh, happening here, Vogel. Talk to me about what you thought about all this. Um, Where did we start? That was a lot. Where did we oh, start? We started with Clint talking to Laura. Right. Then we get okay. to the That's right. Okay, so first Maya, of all, and then boom. Great. So that was that was the part I forgot. So first of all, just and we've said this before, but Clint and Laura, Clint and Laura continue mm -hmm. to be relationship goals. Like yes, there is no, every time that you think they're going to go down, Laura being like, well, babe, I don't want you to do this. Babe, you've got to come back for the brink. She and Clint both respect and trust each other yeah. so implicitly that even though he's going back down a dark road, even though he's putting this Ronin costume back on, she is like, I trust you do what you need to do. Like, like it is like, they just continue to be this like, I hope one day I am lucky enough to be in a relationship like Clint and Laura um, without the murdery stuff and the blipping. But uh, but other than that, I'm in. Um, and then again, like we were saying, like, you know, if you felt like you didn't get enough Ronin because he was just in the one scene in Endgame, you're getting a lot more Ronin now. We get this amazing scene where we see, again, even without the bow and arrow, just how badass Clint is yeah. uh, as he takes out each one of these guys like so easily. Mm -hmm. um, and the scene with him and Maya is great, great action sequence, but then this really wonderful scene. So in the comic books, and this is where, again, Marvel does such a good job of taking a little bit of this, but mixing it in. In the comic yeah. books, Echo is raised by Kingpin. Yes. And Kingpin tells her that Daredevil killed her parents, and she thinks it's Daredevil, but ultimately in her dealings with Daredevil finds out Kingpin was really behind all of it. So they have literally just replaced Matt Murdock with Ronan. Yeah. And we know that, and and all kind of uh, theories that maybe that wasn't Ronan, maybe that wasn't Clint in the Ronan costume, out the window. Clint mm -hmm. definitely did kill her dad. But we have now just replaced the Matt Murdock story with this story, and he did do it because he was on his rampage, but it is ultimately Kingpin who was behind it. So they've done yeah. like a really nice job of taking that and his whole speech with her about how they're the same. I mean, again... As we get into this, what it means to be a hero, what it means to be a villain and the gray areas in between, Clint has said multiple times now that he was a weapon that was mm -hmm. just pointed by, you know, sometimes the wrong people, sometimes the right people. Yeah. And he sees in Maya a weapon who is being pointed by the wrong person. And he gives her just enough information. He seeds just enough doubt. And then we get the Kazi scene where she questions him and it is so clear yeah. uh, that he was absolutely the one behind it and that Maya knows and just as we had the scenes previously where you had Eleanor and Kazi with Kate and Maya, and it was like, I really love you. We now have the shoe drop in the two scenes back to back. Like Maya now knows that Kazi, who, who has always been there for her, yeah. is ultimately has betrayed her, followed immediately by Kate finding out that Eleanor, her mom, yeah. is also behind all of Great this. Great point. And so yep. these two things, you know, like they, the, the, the mirror at the beginning and the mirror mm -hmm. at the end is there. Um, 
And this is where things are going to start to get super rough. I mean, we've seen Kate really go through stuff. You know, it was uh, it was amazing that Kate, you know, despite Clint giving her the Lassie speech, showed up and was there for him at the right minute, once yeah. again proving that she absolutely belongs in this world. But then we're getting the other side of this, which is, you you know, sometimes you scratch too hard and you find out what's under the surface and you don't like what you found. Yeah. And so I think that's going to be, you know, it's ultimately really devastating for her, ultimately really devastating for Maya. Not devastating for me because we saw Vincent D'Onofrio, we know he's <laughs> in the Marvel Universe, and Wilson Fisk is here, and Kingpin is in the world, and that is amazing, and it's going to reap rewards for the next 10 years, and I'm fucking thrilled about it. Confirmed. I'm just glad you get both of you get we called it moments. I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> Shannon, uh, what did you what did you think of this interaction with Laura and Clint? Then, of course, Clint with Maya, and then at the end here, the reveal that uh, Kingpin has been uh, part of this all along. I mean, throw a little more on the pile that Laura is Mockingbird. Um, oh because, yes, <laughs> I mean, do, ah, I would love it if she showed up with 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 her escrimis stick. You just like, took was... it from me. I was gonna say that. I, <laughs> I I want her in that finale. I want Jack, Mockingbird, everybody in this finale next week, man. Yeah, that would be like. I don't think it's gonna happen. Uh, but but I would really love it if it did. Um, what's funny is as they get to the uh, Fat Man used cars. Um, I don't know if you guys look, but that's clearly a money laundering operation because there was a 1985 Rusty Station Wagon on sale for over $23,000. <laughs> <laughs> that's a great, I did not notice nice that, but that is a great detail. I went like, cause I, cause I was watching it on the couch and I'm like, wait, wait, wait. And I don't know with you guys, like my Disney plus, it backs up that 10 second backup. If you don't like commit, it gets yeah. a little skippy. So I had to go back and like watch it. I'm like, I got super close to the screen. I'm like, I just want to make sure what I'm seeing is correct. That all of the cars are all old rust buckets and they are massively <laughs> overpriced. Um, love the fight scene. Love how much uh, they are letting Echo use her prosthetic leg as defense. Yeah. Like yeah. it's so, so cool that every time he goes in with the sword, she's able to block using that leg. It's so awesome. Um, but that moment where... Clint is talking and we're seeing it in subtitles because she's reading his lips, that mm. informant. And like, I have the same thing with Vogel. I'm like, oh, that's great that they were able to bring this back around to where it was, it was Kingpin. Kingpin was responsible for her father's death. Even, yeah. even though he didn't physically kill him, he is the one that set it in motion. And also it calls back to that scene with Clinton Kazi where Clint is basically like, you're a doormat. Like yeah. you were, yeah. you were Willie, well, William Lopez's lieutenant and now you're his kid's lieutenant. Right. So right. it's like, you know, setting up that, setting up, that Kazi character that if he doesn't die in the last episode, I mean, it sure seems like he could come back in some sort of uh, painted face form. Um, the fact that Kate is able to save Clint again yeah. and uses an Uber to get them out. I mean, I thought that was really, really funny. And then, yeah, I mean that Yelena follows Kate's advice and realizes she might not know everything and discovers it's Kate's mom. And you get that picture of Wilson Fisk and then going through the credits, that last shot where you get the Hawkeye title card with the silhouettes of Kate and yeah. Clint. In the background, there's a giant kingpin shadow now. So they're liter oh, they've literally nice. been operating in the shadow of kingpin this entire time. Super That's great awesome. choice. That's really cool. Okay. All right. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I thoroughly enjoyed uh, this way of ending things. I loved that we're getting more Laura. Like uh, Shannon just said, I think Mockingbird or some something is going to show up. So some I hope Laura shows up. I hope Linda Cardellini 
isn't just someone on the phone doing these uh, conversations with Clint because she's such a fantastic actress. Seeing her in a mocked up Mockingbird outfit would be awesome. And who knows if Clint uh, maybe made a maybe made a suggestion for them to make a Mockingbird outfit for her just in case. Probably not, but who knows? But it'd be great to see her kind of busting out and protecting the family and whatever you. Then we'll see what Jack has. So all of that just excites me on so many levels. And then getting Kingpin walking into the night. Watch the 30-second promo for episode six. All those uh, battle sequences we haven't seen, all those fights, Clinton the Tux, all of that, the rich kind of Christmas, all that stuff, it is coming in episode six. So I'm looking forward to seeing what we're going to get from Vincent D'Onofrio in episode six. And if this is opening the door to more of these Netflix people coming through now uh, through, for lack of a better term, through a portal uh, to see if they're going to come through and be a part of this. Uh, And I'm looking at John Bernthal and that Punisher for the love of God, please, (laughs) please bring him into this universe. I would love to have him be a part of it. And then of course the stuff with, with Maya as Michael and Shannon have already said numerous times here, certainly laying the groundwork here that she's going to make the turn and I don't know if we're going to get, uh, you know, Jack becoming the swordsman. Are we going to get Kazi becoming clown? Are, are we going to get that? I don't know what's going to lead to that. And, Michael, you make an interesting reference. This is why he was second in command, or, or Shannon, if you said that. Um, it may be because that's where Kingpin wants him, consistently there to monitor the people in charge. And if those people in charge mess up, he knows that Kazi will take them out or set them up to be taken out and creates a barrier between him and that situation and plausible deniability. So there's a lot going on here. And another thing, if she was hired by Eleanor Bishop, does that make Contessa the middle man or Contessa above Eleanor Bishop? Is it Eleanor Bishop who in essence is going to become the big baddie going into uh, phase four of the MCU? I don't know. So this is an interesting thing to play around with here. If she's dealing with Kingpin, where is the Contessa in this power structure? Mike, Shannon, any thoughts on that? Well, in the episode before, um, yeah. when we saw Vera Farmiga make that phone call, she was—I cl- think she was calling the Contessa that oh. she had a, she had an issue, and okay. this is someone who a, a broker of sorts who can who can take care of take care of problems for her. So I yeah. absolutely think that uh, I, I don't know if one is higher than the other. I feel okay. like uh, Contessa is is in service to rich people who need problem solved. Right. I, I, I tend to think that, too. We don't know for sure. Right. But if you do all the math of everything, it does seem like Eleanor made a phone call. Yelena was approached by the Contessa and said, hey, don't you want a shot at oh, this? Oh, yeah. Yelena goes to New York City. And then this is who hired me. Like that right. that does seem ultimately like the shape of what we're doing here. Yeah. Um, and I also like, you know, I, I thought again, it's a really nice moment. Uh, one of our, one of our buddies who listens mm. and watches, uh, Nicole was texting me and asking questions about, um, why, why did Yelena tell Kate about Eleanor? Like, why mm. did she text her? And I do think it kind of really does show that even though Yelena was clearly interrogating Kate to get information, she did kind of like Kate genuinely. Yes. And also, as we know from Black Widow, family is very, very important to Elena. Right. So the fact that she kind of did listen to Kate, did follow up on who hired her, found out it was Kate's mom and said, listen, I just think you should know this. I think, again, just kind of makes me love Elena Belova even a little bit more. And I, yeah. I I didn't know it was possible, but I just keep loving her more and more. <laughs> and having gone through her own thing where her mom kind of, in essence, betrayed her. Her yeah. dad, in essence, betrayed her. So she has yet more of a kinship with kate bishop than initially you might think 
when looking at them coming from two completely different walks of life for sure. So it's another way to connect them even more in, in this whole situation. So I'm looking forward to that. All right. Any final words on this episode as we walk into the finale here next week? Well, we we still haven't found out uh, who killed Armand Duquesne. Uh, true. I mean, and even though like it all signs point to Jack, yeah. um, maybe if you're known for using swords, if you want to secretly murder someone using the thing that you're most known for, maybe wouldn't be the smartest idea. It's that true. being said, yeah. he also does appear to be a dummy, so it could be him. He carries I mean, those look, caramels. He carries those caramels. Again, <laughs> it's, it, it, I'll put my money and we, you know, I'm, I'm happy to be wrong on this, but Eleanor has clearly already set Jack up to be the patsy with Sloan Limited. Uh, Eleanor was getting yelled at by Armand. Eleanor lives in an apartment with a whole lot of swords. That's true. Doesn't seem like the biggest jump to be like, I've already framed my fiance in one way. I'll go ahead and frame him in this way too. Doesn't seem out of the realm of possibility for her. I literally cannot get rid of this guy. I keep getting out of it, Kate. Uh, And Jack Dalton's doing a fantastic job. Uh, But I don't think he's the patsy you guys think he is. I don't. I think there's more going on here, more in play. And I think when that gets revealed in the next episode, I think it'll be interesting to see uh, how much of this he's aware of and how much of this he's doing in tandem with um, uh, uh, Eleanor. Because that scene where where he parries away Kate after Kate tries to surprise him, that's not a, a patsy guy. That's a guy who's aware of things. He'll play a certain role to fit, but when he's called upon, he brings the fire and he protects himself. So I just don't think he's as, as um, unaware of stuff. I mean, but I can absolutely things. see a world. And again, this is just guessing, yeah. but like yes, I can absolutely I see a world where he was the patsy in this situation. Yeah. He does get sent to prison and near the end of the episode or in the post credit sequence, he does a little sword move and just easily walks out of prison and is like, fuck this shit and walks away. And we're like, oh, this guy's a badass. Like there's so much they could <laughs> sure. do. And sure. it does get to your point about the other Marvel shows. And I think what what is going to be really interesting to see is with episodes that tend to run 40 to 45 minutes, are we going to get a longer episode? Is it just yeah. going to be 40 to 45 minutes? And if it is, there's still so much that yeah. we want to know. True. I have every confidence given the first five episodes that they know what they're doing. But holy shit, this is going to be a jam-packed episode next yeah. week. And isn't Kingpin in prison? Isn't he in prison from what we go on Daredevil? I thought at the well, end of Daredevil. Well, if that's the same universe, yeah, it might right. not be. Fair point. Yeah, but Fair also, point. even if it is the same universe broadly, mm-hmm. season three of Daredevil was a while ago. And, uh, sure. you know, based on reality, uh, super rich white cisgender straight people don't, uh, I think he's going to be just fine. Did he get out of prison? Probably. You had to go there. You just had to go there. But you're, you're right. You're absolutely right. That's true. All right. Well, we'll see what happens here in that finale. Uh, we'll have an update for you all who are watching us on what we're going to do, if we're going to do a live or not, because it is falling right around Christmas time. <laughs> I'll be traveling. I don't know if the boys will be traveling, but we'll be in certain di- – we'll be in different parts of the of the country. That's for damn sure. So we'll see how we can set this all up so we can have a finale review as well, possibly live. Uh, and speaking of that, we will be having a Spider-Man No Way Home spoiler review live uh, from the Geek Buddies on the Outlaw Nation channel. Laura Kelly will be joining us. Uh, we don't know a time yet, but we will lock down a time and announce it on our official Twitter feeds and our official social media just to let you all know uh, when that's happening. But thank you got, so much. We got a lot to talk about. There's going to be do. some laughs. There's going to be some tears. <laughs> There's going to be a lot of tears. I got a feeling. So uh, it's going to, I'm, I'm going to have to sketch. I'm going to have to work on really hard on that rundown. All right. Well, thank you all so much for joining us. We appreciate it madly. Shannon, what do we have to tell them? 
Yeah, if you'd like to follow us on social media, on Twitter, it's at geek underscore buddies. On Instagram, at the underscore geek underscore buddies. If you'd like to follow me on social media, on Twitter, it's at Shannon underscore McClung. On Instagram, at Shannon the Geek Buddy. If you would like to follow Mr. Vogel, it is at MKToon. If you would like to follow Mr. Roca, it is at the Roca Says. Mikey? Uh, look, we are loving what we are doing here, clearly, and we can't wait to talk to you guys about Hawkeye Episode 6. We can't wait to talk about Spider-Man No Way Home, and in a week or so, we can't wait to talk about Book of Boba. So we have oh, a lot yeah. of work to do, uh, and here's how you can help us keep doing what we are doing. Uh, definitely hit the like button right below right there. Uh, subscribe to Johnny's Outlaw Nation page. Check out all the amazing content that he's got. View it, watch it, love it, like it. It's amazing. Leave your comments below. Uh, what do you think is going on? What do you think's happening with Jack? What do you think's happening with Eleanor? How big of a role is Kingpin going to play? Like, what do you think is going to be happening? Let us know in the comments. We love to hear what you guys think. Uh, and uh, as always, if you're listening to us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or anywhere where podcasts are available, take a minute to leave some stars, leave some comments. It helps us go up in the rankings so more people can find us when they're searching fun entertainment podcasts. And please retweet this video, post it to your socials, send it around to all your friends. If anybody's asking you what's going on in Hawkeye, just tell them to come here because we've got all the info and we break it all down for you. You guys have all been amazing and super complimentary. So thank you for that and just continue to do what you're doing. Yeah, I want to reiterate this. Subscribing to the channel, ladies and gentlemen, we're just about to cross 19,700 here on the Outlaw Nation channel. I want to get past 20,000 by the end of the year. So we start 2022 with 20,000 subscribers, which is a great number to have and attract sponsors, more sponsors, attract more people to be a part of the Outlaw Nation and come see the content we do here on the channel. So if you haven't subscribed, please, I want to reiterate what Michael just said, subscribe and hit that bell button so you can get us past that 20,000 subscribers mark. And once again, Thanks to Carbon Health for powering and sponsoring this show here. They are a leading national health care provider with a mission to bring high-quality health care to everyone, urgent care, primary care, virtual care. They got 90 clinics in 14 states, and they offer virtual care in 24 states. And I got a feeling that a number of people are going to need to go to CarbonHealth.com after that finale uh, next week because there's going to be a lot of fights and a lot of battles, and they're going to need to get patched up for sure. So thank you all so much for watching us here. And we'll talk to you next time with another brand new episode or brand new review here from the geek buddies. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.